Welcome to Policy Beyond Politics, the weekly show on India's public policy concerns. This is a rational, nuanced, and apolitical discussion, different from the prime time TV debates. Here on this show today, I'm going to discuss the impact of coronavirus on sports. And I'm joined by Mr. Leslie Xavier, CPPA fellow, specialized in sports policies to discuss the various disruptions caused by coronavirus. Uh, Leslie, uh, you know, what has been the impact of corona on sporting activities across the world? You know, uh, the Olympics has been postponed uh, to next year. Uh, there are various uh, federations, organizations, they are actually uh, you know, postponed the activities now. In some parts of Europe, they, they brought back the league football in Asia, South Korea, uh, uh, some other countries, they started baseball. So what has been your view on uh, the impact of Corona on sports? Uh, well, uh, the impact has been unprecedented that way because, uh, yeah, we can say that most of the seasons were coming to an end, end when the crisis struck, but still uh, crucial periods uh, when the leagues were, I mean, when we are talking about football leagues or uh, basketball or uh, baseball or any professional league across the world uh, and suddenly they had to shut shop without I mean taking into account what are the uh, I mean when they could open up and then when when they could figure out so for instance we are uh, we have seen Germany and England and a couple of other countries in Europe uh, restart their football leagues but then the European Champions League is still in, in the limbo they haven't uh, gotten into uh, no, I have not figured out how to how to go about that because that involves traveling between countries. The logistics is huge and the risks are very real. Uh, even the, at the leagues that they have started, they have been following very strict protocol as far as medical screening and all this is concerned. And every week there are a few. I mean, despite all these measures, every week three, four. In fact, yesterday three tests from the English uh, Championship League. That is the second tier league. They have tested positive. So. Uh, that is, as far as football is concerned, yeah, the biggest sporting spectacle that uh, sporting event that got postponed because of uh, the COVID crisis is the Olympics. And uh, it's Olympics, it's not a, uh, in, uh, I mean, island of an event that way. It's, it is interconnected because a lot of uh, sports federations, a lot of uh, 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 events run their world championships on the, all their continent, continental championships around the Olympics to meet the cycle perfectly. So everything has gone for a toss since the Olympics have been postponed uh, to next year. And beyond uh, the difficulties of scheduling and athletes facing all this thing, we, are, we understand the economic implications of that as well, which, which we'll talk about subsequently in this discussion. Uh, as far as athletes are concerned, yeah, uncertainty, like the, just like any other field, any other professional field, you look at any other industry, you look at nobody is sure what, when, how. There is concerned, uh, the biggest event that got postponed uh, was the Under-17 Women's World Cup. And that was a significant event. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm naming it before the even before IPL because 
uh, Indian women's football is in a very critical stage right now because the All India Football Federation has been initiating some programs to bring up the women's game. Uh, and this World Cup was supposed to be that landmark event beyond which infrastructure, grassroots system, everything would be set in place and a supply chain of good talented players would be coming up for the future. But that's been postponed. It's 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 supposed to be held in February now. Uh, but again, there's no clarity as to whether the virus situation, the pandemic situation would be clear by then. And then comes IPL. Uh, big economic implications as you are aware of. And uh, the BCCI is trying its best at the expense of international cricket and even at the expense of it, uh, cricket's well-being. They are, they are keen to run the IPL because I say cricket well, cricket's well-being because the only window possible for BCCI to hold the IPL is at the expense of the World Cup uh, that was supposed to be staged in Australia later in the year. So this is more or less the scene, uncertainty all around. Uh, players themselves, uh, the athletes I've spoken to across discipline, be it shooting, one of the major events that we were expecting a lot of medals at the Olympics. Wrestlers, uh, cricketers, footballers, everybody is uncertain how, how things would pan out because they're ex all expecting, I mean, it's it's across the board, they're all expecting two, three years of uncertainty, slowdown, pay cuts, uh, difficulties as far as staging tournaments. Uh, competing, training, even as basic basic a thing as training is concerned. So, uh, it's going to be a uncertain and lull period for global sport as such. And of course, India won't be immune to that either. Yeah. So, Leslie, uh, uh, since you mentioned about Women's World Cup, uh, uh, there is also a kind of emerging uh, debate uh, in the pro sports fraternity that I read from various newspapers that uh, women especially feel threatened. Meaning, uh, they see uh, now, if at all, if anybody supports sports, if at all, if anybody invests in sports, that would be men's sports, not the women's sports. So, what do you uh, is it is it are there uh, you know uh, they they actually it looks like grievances from their end. So, is it right uh, from their end to say that uh, women are going to be more affected uh, in sports uh, once the COVID period is over? I, I agree to a certain extent, it applies to global professional sport. Because if you look at across the board, if you look at tennis, for instance, uh, last few years, uh, tennis superstars like Serena Williams, who, who is as big a name as Roger Federer, uh, she has been fighting for equal pay status for women at the Grand Slams at, at major tennis tournaments. And uh, not just for the elite players, she has been fighting it for 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 players across the board from from the from the lower ranks from the ITF tours. And uh, if you look at football setup, and we know the kind of money that this has been spent in the men's game across the world, and then comes the I mean the same clubs, and it's it's more or less like a liability in that sense because uh, the same clubs like arsenal or real madrid or barcelona they also have their women set up but the league is much lesser uh, uh, the reach is much lesser the pay is much lesser many of them are semi pros so uh, that's a reality that uh, women's uh, women's sport in general profit i'm talking about specifically about professional sport it's 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 yet to be right up there with the men's game as far as parity is concerned and in the last few years, the growth that has been attained, the fear is very real that it would be cut back because generally the money pumped into pumped in, into sport would come less now because of the economic system that, that is going to be prevalent for the next few years. And in that slow, slowdown pre period, sports establishments, the biggest money spinners are obviously the men's, men's leagues. So they would focus their uh, attention, effort, everything to bring that up, broadcast that while the women's game is, is, is likely to 
take a back seat and a classic example of that is uh, the european football championship that was supposed to be held this year the nations championship right. And next year, it's the turn for the Women's European Football Championship. So the Men's European Football Championship has been postponed to uh, to next year. But the UEFA is not yet uh, decided what to do with the Women's Championship. Because if Women's Championship get postponed, then it clashes with the uh, 2003 Women's World Cup uh, qualifying process, where all these countries would be involved. So it's it's a so I'm sure they would plan something out. But uh, but but as far as priority is concerned, women would would I mean it's their right to be afraid of what is to come. But uh, having said that, in India, it's a slightly different setup altogether because Indian sport there's no professional network again. For a professional setup again for for women. There's no women's football league. There's no women's cricket league. Imagine India's biggest sport, women. Uh, I mean cricket, and there's no IPL like league for the women. So, uh, so that that kind of minimal investment might have, might come as an advantage for the women because whatever the money pumped in into the women's side of sport, be it by the government or by the sports authority of India or the sports ministry for the Olympic disciplines, be it by the uh, BCCI or the All India Football Federation. For, for games like football or cricket, that would be maintained. It would be easily, I mean, they would be easily able to maintain that. They would be easily able to stage the tournaments that have already been existent. So, uh, some of the athletes that I've spoken to through this lockdown period, some of them were camping in at the Sai centers in Patiala and Bangalore, and uh, some of the footballers even. So, they are not very, I mean, fearful of, of, of their future because they feel that uh, since they, they are. They already had very little to live by. Those those things will continue. Those tournaments should happen once once things open up. That is not not at this period. So that is the irony of the Indian situation. So yeah. to an extent, Indian women at least there, there should be safe. Uh, there comes my next question because some of the tennis players in India and they are not professional tennis players as far as I understand. They were also complaining about, you know, we don't have the money uh, to survive uh, during this phase. And they were asking uh, Federation to support them. And Federation, I think they are also not like the Federation of, you know, Western world. They yeah. have uh, money to, you know, the deep pocket to support these players. So uh, comparing this professional amateur, because I think India was in a transition stage, uh, you know, for mm -hmm. the, uh, to become a professional world, um, a hub of uh, uh, sports, uh, you know, professional sports persons. Uh, whether this will delay that process or will it uh, going to help India? I mean, what is the way? What what will be the end outcome of this pandemic? No, I've, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't think this situation will help any sporting fraternity that way, because uh, there would be a lull globally, and that would um, in that cascading effect would would reach Indian shores as well. So. For uh, take for instance tennis, since you mentioned tennis, yeah. uh, to to uh, get into that professional setup in India, you need players who would play in those professional arenas abroad, and be WTA or the ATP. Uh, they all are um, embraced for uh, for this impact, and they are also trying to help out players who are thereabouts, not below that. So I think the fund has been created for tennis players up to the ranking of. Uh, 400 if i'm not if i remember it right uh, 
between rankings of 150 and 400 these players would be helped out by this fund that has been created by, uh, by the wta and atp combined uh, to help players tide through this this crisis situation and the national tennis federation ait the indian tennis federation they uh, don't have a setup i mean i, I I do agree that the players themselves were aspiring to be that reach that professional stage, but in India there was no setup established, planned, or executed in a systematic way to get that groundwork done. So when a system is not there, how will you, I mean, take advantage or not take not, I mean, of of any situation for that matter? Even if in a normal condition, it would have taken. I hope fingers crossed not. Eternity, but uh, it it is going to take a lot of time for tennis uh, to reach the stage that we think would be a uh, or with some of the bigger countries in the world. And with this kind of uh, uh, crisis happening, it will take that much more. So uh, let's see, quite a, yeah. This, so one more question uh, on uh, uh, question on Dokovic uh, testing t- tested positive. And mm-hmm. he had this uh, you know, exhibition match in Serbia, Serbia. and then uh, 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 is it is it does it uh, show that uh, our sports persons are not showing the kind of responsibility that the responsible behavior that uh, people expect from them, or uh, is it because of some other pressure that you know he had to uh, you know attend those because he is also the as far as I understand he is also the president of uh, the players, the federation of players. So he should have been, you know, more responsible. Uh, what is your take on that? So Djokovic's case is, uh, has two two sides to it. So Djokovic has been, as far as far as the president of the head of the Players Association is concerned, he has been in the forefront for for pushing for creating that fund uh, uh, for for lower ranked players. Uh, and but then at the same time he has been irresponsible right through. So he 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 doesn't believe in vaccinations. That's his personal belief. But you know how important. I mean, and there are many people across the world who don't who don't vaccinate because they, they believe in whatever uh, the conspiracy theories or whatever. But uh, he, his personal belief, he was pushing it through through media, saying that I would not take a vaccination even if it comes. Uh, so again, that had divided the tennis world because Nadal or Federer, Nadal himself said that. I mean, then you have to stop stop playing tennis because that would be the protocol. You have to either be. I mean. Infected, so he's infected now. He didn't vaccinate, I guess. But so he has been irresponsible uh, right through that way, and with that irresponsibility, probably he has been careless as well. As far as this charity event was concerned, again, this was supposed to. I mean, it was for a noble cause, no doubt. It was supposed to generate money to help the players and uh, the needy. Uh, so uh, unfortunate that this thing happened there. But again, it highlights the same thing. You have to. I mean. If, if at all this charity event or any tournament or any league for that matter, you have to just follow the, how the Germans are doing it or how the English are doing it at the moment with the leagues and how uh, English cricket is going to create that eco-bubble in two stadiums and they are going to be locked. The players are not going to have any external uh, contact assets. So, such protocols have to be followed. That's the reality. And with, with the cavalier attitude that Djokovic had towards this thing, probably that was not. And maybe there was a socializing session between all these five tennis players have been infected, including Djokovic, plus his wife, and whoever else uh, in the support cast. So, uh, it, it also I mean, leads to another question. Of- yeah, it also leads to another question. 
you know, many of these you you talked about Williams sisters, you know, Serena Williams, Venus Williams, and uh, uh, Roger Federer. I think they're all in the in the verge of retirement, or like you know, yeah. they are they are about to retire. So uh, the pandemic actually uh, results, uh, or it's depriving the sports lovers. Uh, from seeing them in action anymore in this you know very active circles they were uh, they belonged to in the last two decades yeah it it, it is uh, but again uh, so i mean retirement was imminent and uh, yeah maybe i mean two ways to look at it if you look at it, i mean as far as i mean if i speak as a fan uh, uh, maybe it saves the fan of the pain of seeing the heroes lo- loss the lose because that's the likely scenario when players i mean come close to retirement yeah it might also rob them of a testimonial tournament or a testimonial tournament victory or roger federer or serena williams increasing the tournament tally and all that but world has age has caught up with these champions uh, the world itself has caught up with with them the tennis playing world youngsters are like for instance serena williams the next in line champions are right there uh Naomi Osaka, Osaka mm-hmm. being one of them and she has already beaten Serena and uh, so I mean that's that's how sporting world is uh, generation shifts to another yeah the last bit of uh, them we miss seeing it but uh, you can't help it that way maybe an injury would have i mean it, there's a lot of ifs and buts in this case na? so maybe federer would have last cut, cut his career just like that because of an injury or because of lack of motivation lack of motivation many players have done that and uh, serena becoming a mother she wanted to prove a point she came back she won uh, great but how long would, would she be able to sustain that with an aging and injured body plus the demands of, of motherhood everything so all uh, yeah i would have loved to watch him play uh, watch federer play at the wimbledon this year if it happens next year if he is there great but again if he if he plays next year he might not I mean, even this year there was no guarantee that he would go past second round third round so so since you mentioned about uh, uh, the money uh, that is involved in sports uh, last 30 years i think we have seen proliferation of uh, sports channels uh you know big companies are co- investing in sports properties you know market is actually driving a lot uh, in the sports yeah. in india for example you know uh, i think a uh, uh, lot of money is reserved for ipl broadcast uh, uh, the sponsorship ads and even the rates with which the ads are sold during the ipl even if it you know uh, uh, happens you know scheduled during later this year people fear that even the broadcasters fear that there will less you know it will go for a lesser rate uh, the the per second ad would be going for a lesser rate and uh, now uh, many of these federations whether it is in europe or us uh, they were forced to revive or resume their activities because there are there's a lot of money involved in this thing yeah. uh, and uh, broadcasters rights are there and i was reading that in us uh, if uh, the sports are not i mean uh, the, the cost the, the the loss of uh, Uh, from the sports would be around 12 billion us dollars if nothing happens for the next few months in india also uh, in, uh, federations and uh, in, i mean bodies like bcc they also uh, take a lot of money from the broadcasters right uh, vivo i think uh, in addition to uh, <laughs> in addition to the the corona one i think that because of the china india fiasco i think they're also suffering from that and uh, so the money is not there in sports but naturally is uh, the money is not uh, not there in the sports and especially in a country like india uh, because the uh, government kitty is uh, very small 
and i think a lot a lot of money uh, i know that a uh, lot of money is going to only few fields like cricket and all uh, but generally i think there is a there is a there is an understanding in india for the last few years that uh, the sports has to be supported lot money lot of money should be there in the sports uh, you know people are spending and investing money uh, the market is spending money now with this pandemic i think uh, because the economy is in bad shape this is going to take a long and a lot of time for us to get back to that normal activity so how is it going to shape of india's sporting future now so it's uh, interestingly just this morning kiran riju the sports minister was quoted saying that he won't cut uh, money from any verticals as far as government funding is concerned of course uh, i mean it's just a statement and beyond that in the coming months things might i mean take its own course as far as how much funding can the government afford as far as things stand now a month back the indian olympic association asked for additional funding from the government uh, in the tune of 220 crore for the national federations for its functioning for for opening up for restart for, for for planning things ahead and interestingly that's almost the same amount as the annual sports uh, fund for these federations that was earmarked in the union budget so uh, and a chunk of the union budget i'll just mention the numbers actually uh, 244 crore was uh, earmarked for the national federations uh, out of the total budget of 2827 crore i'm talking about the union budget okay. sports budget and 890 crore was uh, earmarked for for kelo india but uh, i mean i understand kelo india being Uh, I mean, a program that's initiated to bring kids up from the grassroots, but to to the real grassroots programs are run by the national federations. So by cutting the budget of the national federations, we had already the government had already ampered the process that was running, uh, and more or less, I mean, not well oiled that way. You know how things work in India, but still, things were running, things were improving, like like you noticed. Uh, Talent was coming up, and then they 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 adopted by various players, be it private entities or be it the Sports Authority of India, to bring them up to the global level for for competing for medals at the World and Olympics. But but with with the cut cut already there in the in the allocation of money for for the national federations, that process has 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 been uh, iffy to say the least. And uh, then comes the uh, situation about. Uh, about the leagues the professional leagues as such so two major leagues beyond that small small this badminton leagues and all are not exactly i mean big money earners and money spinners and money spenders that way uh, but cricket the ipl and football the isl indian super league these two are the big big entities out of which the indian super league season got over and so they would have to plan for the next season uh, but uh, as far as sponsorship is concerned as far as the health of the teams involved are concerned it's 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 because we are not talking just about the league and the sponsorship for the league we are talking about the individual teams that are there and they need funding to uh, bring up the players so that uh, is definitely going to take a hit the budgets would come lesser but i would say this this trend would be there across the world and this trend would help in a little bit of arresting that unhealthy and i would uh, i mean it's 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 been studied and people have noted this that the way the economy sporting economy was growing it was not sustainable in any case regardless of a pandemic hitting so you are talking about players being transferred for insane amounts of money 
uh, in Europe footballers. You are talking about Indian footballers earning. I mean, I, when you look at the economy of football is concerned, and we have to take individual sport into consideration. We usually what we do is that we make this comparison between. Uh, Footballers and cricketers saying that cricketers are earning so much. Footballers are at least they deserve one crore. Sunil Chetri is getting if uh, Sunil Chetri is getting around one crore uh, per season. Uh, cricketers are getting much more, obviously. I mean, the is 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 counterpart. Virat Kohli is getting I mean many percentage more. But you can't compare between these two sports. You have to compare the economy. I mean, the economic structure of football, and then consider whether the players' salaries and are justified. So it was not. It was growing in a very Haphazard way, so this this situation might help to make that course correction because sustainability is key for for all leagues, and this is uh, true for Indian leagues, Indian sports federations. This is true for the Olympic model as well because in the last few Olympic games, when you look at it, and winter as well as summer games, the cities which have host, hosted these games they have run into a loss. Uh, the estimate was two billion US dollar loss for in Rio. Uh, Much higher, they say. London had a huge loss as well. Beijing's uh, numbers are unavailable, but still, the amount of spend, amount spent, it's it's very clear that it would have incurred losses as well. Athens was a loss. So, when you look at the the bidding for this. Olympic Games again. A few cities are coming. Is the Olympic Games not moving to Africa, for instance, or uh, beyond the two three countries that are there in Asia? Why is it not? Getting into other places because you are talking about a global movement, right? Because cities are afraid to bid, bid, bid for the games because it's it's what happens is that then then the cost cost escalate. They get into this process which 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 I mean the uh, money is just going in and nothing is coming back. And with post COVID, what is going to happen is uh, I mean starting with from the Tokyo Games, the revenue that was supposed to come from uh, tourism and from ticket sales and all these are going to take a considerable hit. And so, so what is the need of the hour? Is a sustainable model where money spent should be, I mean, limited to to the to the bare minimal, so that sports handles this crisis. Sports handles a long term uh, plan where all these activities can be sustained. Plus, sport also should look at beyond the bigger leagues because when you, I mean, I'll just give you another number for this. Uh, the, In 2018, it was estimated that the sports industry globally was the total uh, uh, money involved was uh, 471 billion US dollars, out of which 50 billion was from broadcast rights. And uh, broadcast rights have become very important in these COVID times because that is where now the money would be coming. But then this 50 billion is is for, uh, out of which 60 to 65 percent is from the top leagues, top 10 leagues. You look at the NBA, look at the English Premier League. Uh, and then the other amounts are minuscule, so so these leagues are going to suffer. And now, when you look at it, Germany has started, England has started. Uh, in the US, you mentioned UFC is starting, baseball is started. So, uh, but these are big leagues you are talking about. And then, what about the what about the rest of the these things? So, okay. so that kind of a sustainable model is is what uh, probably this would bring out. To ensure that global sport remains what it is and it achieves the, its 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 ultimate goal, goal, which is which is which, uh, which has a lot of sociological, economic, political, all these implications are intertwined in this in this world of sports. So, Leslie, what about the uh, sports goods industry? You know how this pandemic is to you know play havoc to this industry. Yeah. So, uh, 
we know our uh, sports manufacturing hubs, which is in Meerut and Jalandhar. And uh, in Jalandhar alone, it's a 2,000 crore uh, turnover industry. Because, and we have specific areas where we have monopoly that way. Uh, certain sports, specifically cricket, we have bat manufacturers in Meerut, cricket balls. And uh, then we have, uh, we surprising, we are not a great rugby player nation, but we have a monopoly in rugby equipment. And we are, we export it to countries like Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. Uh, so with, with, with shutdown in sport and generally shutdown in exports and imports and all that, these manufacturers have suffered immensely. And they are not sure when the demand for equipment will come back because everybody needs to play. And we are not talking about just any sport also. So to buy a bat, kids have to play first, right? For the need for the bat varies. So kids have to train for that to happen. So so that industry has taken a massive hit and 2000 crore turnover is, is, is not a mere uh, amount that way. And it's also, also livelihood, personally... Livelihood issue for many. Livelihood issue for many. It's It also... Uh, creates that supply chain issue as well in some point when restarts happen because equipment is a major thing and having done sport myself at a stage where equipment was very difficult to get i mean if you look at wrestling equipment in kerala whenever we travel to north india we used to i mean do a lot of searching before before we get our equipment so such a state might might also happen because there are many companies which might shut down many companies which helped grassroots sport that way so you might not have heard of a brand called Pama, which which makes i mean you must poorer sibling so uh, Pama is based in jalandhar and they make uh, running shoes which i used to use and you get it for 300 bucks and it's nothing and it's it's decent quality for you to start your journey into sport so so imagine if that company shuts then where where, where, where will that replacement happen so it it creates both ways the livelihood issue and also issues for the sports person the younger sports person the grassroots level sport as such and uh, connected with that is the is is also the other i mean when we when you mentioned livelihood i just happened to because this is a, this is a story that i did also when we talk about IPL or the ILE or the ISL or World Cups happening in India, around the stadium there is an ecosystem of businesses which is very unorganized. In fact, sport in India or across the globe, I mean, recently I read a story in I think Wall Street Journal which which was featuring a hot dog seller in a sports venue in the US. Now he doesn't have money to survive because of the lockdown and because he can't, obviously there's no, nobody coming to the stadium. So the same thing here, outside the stadium, you will see people selling jerseys for 50 bucks, people selling flags, all this, all these memorabilia and all that. So everybody is, I mean, for them, an IPL season is something that would help them sustain through the year. And after that sporting action, they go back and they will do odd jobs like manual labor or whatever. But this was what that, that would sustain them through the year or maybe pay that school fee for their children or have something as a saving or whatever so so that aspect is also there in this which is i mean uh, which which creates that i mean ripple effect uh, down right down into the into the common man so it's it's so leslie uh, last question uh, on um, see uh, icc had come out with the, you know they have come out with the gate line uh, mm -hmm. now west indies is touring to uh, uk england and they're in a biosecure, you know, environment where in which they want to play. 
I see in some pictures where baseball baseball league was uh, presumed in South Korea. They actually created a virtual you know uh, gallery uh, for the players. Uh, since you are a sports person, you know how I mean, what is the feel of a sports person when he he hits the ground and see this virtual reality around them? Is it the realistic model that people are, or is it because of the pressure from these broadcasting companies and other you know the demands there? Uh, they are compromising on this and say like you know we can revive sports by creating virtual realities and also adding to that uh, i see many of the sports channels have started these online games uh, uh, is it going to replace or is it going to uh, you know uh, uh, take a big pie i mean share of that pie uh, that uh, you know the broadcasting uh, uh, broadcasters had in the sports uh, for the last few decades uh, so uh, to start with the first part of the of the of the question, uh, the leagues have been started, and uh, see, uh, it's it's very clear the impact of crowd in sport, and players lift the. I mean, it's it lifts the entire the atmosphere inside a stadium, a full packed stadium, when when two teams are playing, is 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 tremendous. It's it, it it when I speak about it, it gives me goosebumps actually, and. Uh, then you are talking about, uh, and it's it's also proven home advantage. So when a home team is playing in a stadium, and why why is that home advantage there? It's not just because they are they are used to training in that on that grass surface because grass surface more or less remains the same. The dynamics of the sporting arena remains the same. But so what is home advantage? Home advantage is the spectators that create that that pressure on you that. Uh, uh, I mean, pressure on the home team to perform and also ease of pressure on the home team because they are playing at home and the entire crowd is behind them. So that is missing and uh, the atmosphere of uh, so the players playing in the ground will find it very hard to uh, play in a silent stadium to celebrate their goals looking at empty stands. So uh, the leagues have tried to compensate for that by by creating this uh, I mean, virtual crowd that way. Uh, some gaming companies, EA Sports have, have come in, in in Spanish League to help with the ambient voice, uh, ambient noise of all these stadiums because they already have recorded noise for their games. So they're using that. In Korea, when the football league started, they used dummy as fans and there was a uh, mild controversy there, slight controversy there because the first match they placed the dummies that they placed were, in fact, sex doll, uh, dolls, which which was a mistake, and then uh, I mean it created a lot of embarrassment. Anyways, getting back to the uh, thing, so uh, it 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 is virtual, like you said, it's not real, and reality uh, it can't replace reality for for the long run. As far as uh, broadcast viewers are concerned, of course, people will watch it on TV. We as Indian football fans, we watched and loved the. Premier League or the, I mean, there are many who follow Manchester United or Arsenal or many of the big clubs and they follow like they grew up right next to the stadium. But no, we, we have always been virtual fans, most of the Indians. So they never, never even gone near a stadium of one of these, uh, one of the European clubs that they follow. So in that way, global audience would remain. And uh, as far as leagues being conducted as a uh, via broadcast, that would help them stand a little. Of course, the revenues and the money and the sponsorship involved might might become lesser, but it will be a good model for them to tide this period, for sure. Uh, as far as cricket's restart is concerned, uh, this tour international cricket is always important because cricket's global revenue has always revolved around this bilateral series. India playing Australia, so India, I believe, have agreed to 
go to australia for the test series in december uh and for that tour to happen it's it's it, a lot of money at stake for australia if that tour, if that tour doesn't happen uh, yeah, around 175 million is the loss that we are talking about for australia cricket australia mm-hmm. and australia is likely to cancel the icc world cup the t20 world okay. cup and that window would be used by ipl so you can do the, you can probably make that interconnection why india is traveling to australia because mm-hmm. india gets a window yeah. to host the ipl so that is the politics that are happening in the icc i mean uh, of course there is no proof but yeah uh, so that that dynamic is happening but at the same time uh, pakistan was supposed to go to uh, england post the west indies series for a, for a series i think some other players are tested positive uh 11 pair uh, and president so that that highlights the dangers involved so so pakistan uh, cricket board cash trapped completely they need that tour just like england 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 and wales cricket board uh, these tours have to happen for them to sustain for india the sustainability comes with with the ipl they needn't play anybody else this year and they will be fine still fine so when you open these things and pakistan I'm, i don't know whether pcb pro uh, pakistan cricket board followed any protocols as such but it it clearly is evident that they exposed the players and and they they are suffering right now so that that fine line i have to be drawn when opening up regardless of whatever the pressure is because you are talking about lives here and business and sustainability and of fitness level Uh, lastly i also i also want to know from you about the fitness level because you know now the olympics is going to be held i mean supposedly mm-hmm. uh, to be held uh, in june july and mm-hmm. uh, many players are so much concerned about the fitness level whether they are in a you know the real shape the good shape to compete in a you know you know global uh, platform uh, such as olympics uh, so should we consider their you know physical and mental physique also i mean when we consider yeah of course of course so so with uncertainty and uh, the kind of situations that some of these players are some of them were completely locked up i mean locked down in in sai centers when their families were fending for themselves at their respective cities or villages or towns so that you understand when you when such crisis is happening everywhere people are getting sick and you are away from your family the kind of tensions that they deal with on a personal front plus the plus the situation that they are not sure whether they would have the kind of fitness or the performance to to do justice to being on a global stage come next year if the olympics get staged so so the so the mind aspect for me is the bigger thing that uh, and a bigger priority that is uh, the sporting authorities or the mechanism should should address and yeah physical side uh, as far as uh, the players that i have spoken to and these are elite at least that way uh, so they know how to maintain that 80% fitness level uh, by doing the minimal workouts that they are. of course there are constraints like for instance someone like bajrang punia who was a medal contender at the olympic games from wrestling he can't obviously wrestle he can't he was traveling all over the world to train and to compete in different grand prix events and all that which is not going to happen so his training has taken a hit that way but as far as fitness is concerned he would be doing his drills mat drills alone or with select teammates of his but It, it, it's an handicap for sure, but these athletes know to uh, maintain that level, and a bit of guidance and a bit of scientific approach would ensure that they won't get injured as as far as physicality or physical injuries are concerned. But mental aspect of this is something that they need to be seriously addressed because it's it, many of them are 
struggling. Our, uh, last week, uh, one of our elite swimmers, Virdhaval Khade, he, he said, I'm retiring from sport because there's no program that has been set by the Federation. It's not even approaching us to what to do. So I'm just worried. I, and swimming is a dangerous sport that way because it's, you're jumping into the pool with other other people, right? So, so how do you train? You can't go to a public pool to train. And our athletes don't are not rich to have uh, private pools at their disposal. So, so uh, yeah, it's 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 it, it it's a very pertinent point, but it can be addressed systematically if if if, if it's planned really well. Uh, and then getting back to the uh, question that you asked uh, about esports, it's a big opportunity for esports. In fact, uh, uh, one of my colleagues had done a story on it. She herself is a esports player. So, uh, but the thing is, esports is not a spectator-friendly sport at all. So, uh, esports uh, catchment is 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 a I mean, post-millennial generation, so to speak, millennials and post-millennials. And again, not all millennials are not. All youngsters are into watching esports because the. I mean, I've I've done a bit of gaming myself for fun, and uh, I don't like watching someone play a video game. Period. I play it because I want to play it. So it's it's a it's quite a boring affair to actually watch someone play online. And most of this esports uh, is streamed online, and there are some LAN events which happen where it's happening in the stadium and. Uh, uh, Spectators are allowed, but their experience is completely different because uh, this is uh, again the dynamic of esports because the players have to be completely in tune in the game, so there is no ambient noise involved. So they completely start off with with noise cancelling earphones and they just just focus into this thing. Spectators watch it; a giant screen is there in the in the middle. They watch what is happening, action, but. That experience, as far as being in a stadium watching a football match versus being in a stadium watching people play the FIFA video game, are two different things. Big money is involved, no doubt. These gaming companies pump in a lot of money. In fact, last year, one of the gaming's world championship, which was held at Atharash Center, the same venue where the uh, U.S. Open tennis happens. Uh, so the U.S. Open tennis happened a month before this gaming event, and the price money for the gaming event was substantially higher than the US Open mm. prize money. Mm. So that shows how much money is pumped into it. But as far as it being a replacement for live sport, it's, it's quite a long way off. It's, it's in fact, I mean, I, I don't see it as a possibility because we as humans are wired differently. And we, we, are, we, we are watching sport for different reasons altogether. It's just it's not just for the visuals that happen on the screen, but also a lot of other things are involved. So uh, that's my take on esports and the future. Yeah. So thank you, Leslie. Uh, that was very insightful. Uh, I believe uh, I think the the summary of our conversation is uh, probably the COVID happened for some uh, better uh, or alternative uh, ideas to crop up. And it would probably change the politics in global at global sports. It could also have an impact on uh, the economy, the money that is involved in global sports. That could also probably help uh, some other sports uh, that were not in the uh, focus for the last many decades. They will also emerge out of as the champions of uh, thanks to Corona. So let's hope for the best. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining me for this show, and uh, look forward to meeting you again in another episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, with this, we wrap up our conversation. Uh, the conversation highlights the various disruptions that was caused by coronavirus 
and the uncertainty unraveling of sports economy in these difficult times. We would like to hear from you what you think about the show. Please share your feedback and brickbacks. You can reach me on the Twitter handle Dhanuraj. Please share this video among your friends. See you next week until we come with another curious subject that concerns India's public policy universe. Thank you.